Voter Apathy, 2020 Pandemic Edition. On this special episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Fisk, tackle the difficult topic, why don't more Americans vote? Could it be the plague of horrible candidates who are out of touch with the working and middle classes? Could it be that both Republicans and Democrats are seen as corrupt, populated with corrupt elected officials whose behavior is dictated by their campaign donors and special interest groups? Or could it be the rampant voter shaming, as if there is something wrong with you on a very physical, emotional, and spiritual level if you don't vote the correct way, as if voting your conscience is a wasted vote? All these loaded questions and more on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Stay tuned. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind the scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we'll pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is fedorachronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at Fedora Chronicle. Once again, here's Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Oh my God, so... Um, week from hell on this part of the country in our northeast office of the Fedora Chronicles Network. And um, this is the problem when you live like Ted Kaczynski. What, meaning living out in the middle of the woods in um, a very sparsely populated part of the country. Not that I, I, I'm building bombs in my shed. Unless you call the podcast a bomb. And maybe that'll be the title of this of this episode. This podcast is the bomb. <laughs> um, so the thing is, is that it was just like, I woke up like first thing in the morning. I woke up at five o'clock. I was going to do all of my show prep. And wouldn't you know, the internet is not working. Of course. So every <laughs> everything I had online, my Google Docs, <laughs> everything was like not, uh, not available. So of course, wouldn't you know it as if like I made the phone call to the to the to the internet cable company and I said, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the internet is down. And she had said, Well, no nobody's called from your area to let us know that so it must be down in your area too. And then she hung up the phone. <laughs> hey. So they knew it was down. They just didn't know how big the problem was. They didn't know how vast <laughs> how vast the problem was. So and it's like, I'm getting all upset because how am I going to do this? Are we going to do Skype over 
sell or are we just going to do a sell call? How are we how are we going to do this? And of course, I'm I'm rearranging my desk and all the cables on my desk. And I'm I'm ready to do this over my cell phone. And I and I turn over in the corner of my eye and wouldn't you know it the internet is back on. So now I have to rearrange everything back the way it was. And I was so excited to um share the news that we're not I are you do you want to talk about the the vice presidential debate or do you, I haven't seen it. I so I'd rather not talk about it. I haven't seen it. I mean it. I saw like 5 10 minutes of it. Um so did you watch um, any of it? You know what? I I I started to listen to it on on the um National Public Radio like I did the first debate. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, I could not stand the sound of their voices. And I'm like, I need to listen to this for the listeners of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Because they might be counting on us and our coverage of the debates. Uh, now I gotta listen to it. I gotta watch it. And then I said, I, I don't think they hate us that much, Jay. <laughs> so from what I've heard, of the of the VP debate, right? Is Kamala Harris behaved like Kamala Harris does, um, as if she knows everything and was very condescending? And I want to add um, something. Michael to that. Pence behaved like Michael Pence behaved like he was made out of cardboard and was just put there to be a foil for whatever the other person does. Right, right. That's what I heard. I mean, I heard in neither of them. There was no great revelations. I also heard that they were much better behaved than the presidents were. That's not saying much, but go ahead. <laughs> right? I mean, my children would have arguments that were more mature when they were five. Than <laughs> yes. The presidents did at the debate. <laughs> but yeah, so I, 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 it's, it's a VP debate. I mean, you could make the argument that more than any other time in our lives, the VPs matter. Right. However, they're still the VPs. You're not, no one, no one has ever gone on record as saying, I voted for this candidate because of their choice for VP. Almost. That almost happened. That almost happened. If Joe Biden picked Tulsi Gabbard, I definitely would have fought seriously about (laughs) it. Right. But that's, but that's, that's about, that's almost it. The, I've seen people not vote for a candidate because of their VP pick. Oh, yeah. But I've never seen anyone vote for them because of it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I completely, totally agree with 110% of every fiber of my being. I don't think Which, I don't think anybody had said, I'm, I'm going to vote for Bill Clinton because Al Gore is such a great guy. Right. I, right. I, I don't think that ever happened. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, too, is also that the... The VP is the VP. Yep. They don't really do anything. Well, they're so they're the president of the Senate, or they are, they are the 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 speaker of the only, Senate. They can, but they can only vote in the case of a tie in the Senate. That's all they can do. They don't set um, senatorial procedures or anything like that. The only role the VP has, in as near as I can tell, anyway is to break a tie in the Senate. That's it. They're the president of the Senate, but it's only and basically like an honorific. 
It's like, yeah, you're president of the Senate. You don't have any actual authority or power. But, you know, if there's, since there's 50 of us and it's an even number, if, you know, if we need to break a tie, you're our dude. Yeah, you're the guy. That's about it. You're the guy. So this, the VP really doesn't do much of anything. And there's been a lot of uh, presidents lately that have said, hey, we're going to put this person, we're going to put the VP in charge of this part of their policies or whatever. But what does that actually mean? So this is where I run into problems. Like I, I'm not a fan of when Trump or really anyone else pushes something that happened in the Obama administration on Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't have choice for shit right. as VP. It's not like he he was just one voice of many in the president's ear who, you know, in Obama's ear, say, oh, I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. And then, of course, Obama looked at Joe and was like, what do you know? Exactly. You're, you know, your retirement age. What the fuck do you know? Hey. You know, so... I don't think it's fair to put anything that happened in the Obama administration on Joe Biden because he's the VP, which means he didn't do shit. He, and you he, know, I want to interject some some um, bitter sarcasm. Go for it into this, and and just say you know that the role of vice president is is so low and so menial that when Reagan was shot, nobody knew where George Herbert Walker Bush was and. Uh, so, well, I'm actually saying I'm, I'm I'm actually saying something without saying something. Yeah, and but that's pretty much it, though. They're the just in case. They're the right. fallback option, right? And that's all they do, though. They're there just in case. Yeah. So, but in terms of policy, you can't hold Joe Biden responsible for Obama's decisions as president. Jo- Joe Biden was an advisor to Obama. The decisions were Obama's. Okay. So I didn't like Trump saying anything when you guys were in office. At the same time, though, Joe Biden was also in the freaking Senate for 30 some odd years. 39 I thought, years I thought it was longer than that, but you're, you're probably right. Yeah, well, in the, you know, I keep hearing people saying, you know, he was he was in politics for 47 years. Okay, fine. But eight of those, he was VP, which means he wasn't really making the decisions. He wasn't pulling the strings. He had influence. He didn't have um, power or authority. So eh, that's eight of those 47 years, which puts us at 39. So 39 years he was in the Senate. And for a good 15 of those, at least, he was in a fairly prominent position in the Senate as a senior senator. Yeah. but And he still didn't fix any of the shit that he's claiming he can now fix as president. Yeah, that's the thing. He's been an he. He's been in politics for how long? And he nothing. He's, he got he got elected. Let's put this in perspective. He got elected into politics three years after I was born. When I was three years old, yeah. and I'm turning fifty next month. We need to do something awesome for your fiftieth. Um, and eh, no, we don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I was just shocked and surprised at how little substance people were talking about as far as this debate is concerned people were just like i i I don't care people were more obsessed with the fly that was crawling on mike pence's head than the actual issues that they did or didn't bring up one person had said on my facebook feed nobody has said anything about afghanistan and how we've been there for almost 20 years 
and nothing has fundamentally changed. We're in Afghanistan. Why? Why are we in Afghanistan? What's the point of being in Afghanistan? What are we getting out of Afghanistan? How is it so important that we're spending billions of dollars in Afghanistan while our infrastructure well, here as the United States is, is, is crumbling and we don't have anything that resembles the universal health care that other countries have? I, I don't think that we're spending billions of dollars in Afghanistan, not yearly. Well, Tulsi we've probably spent billions since we've been there, but I don't think. No, we're I think to, I think to, one of the things that Tulsi, according to Tulsi Gabbard, who is a congresswoman, we are spending billions, like two or three, or up to five billion dollars in Afghanistan a month. That's what she said. Now, how true that, that is doesn't make any logical sense, though. I don't understand. What are we getting for our money if we're spending billions of dollars in Afghanistan? Or maybe you know what? I'm willing to admit. Maybe I heard it wrong. Maybe we're yeah. maybe we're spending millions of dollars in Afghanistan every month. I I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't it be and, nice? And I got to be honest. I've got a I got a friend of mine who just got back from Afghanistan. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what we're doing in Afghanistan, or or yeah, how, he, well, he can't he can't tell me what their what their mission was when they were over there because of operational security. So he oh, can't say, yeah, we were over there for this reason or that reason. But when he and I talk, because we do talk politics on occasion, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they, I don't know why they keep sending us back. I really don't. I don't get it. But we don't have access to the information they have. For right. all we know, our actions in Afghanistan are there as a peacekeeping force. And we're not really doing anything. I don't, I have, I dispute when people say we're spending billions of dollars every year in Afghanistan. I could see maybe a billion. But first of all, we don't have that many people over there right now. I think we're down to somewhere around, you know, 4,000 people in Afghanistan. The budget of the Pentagon, the entire military spending budget is what, $150 million a year, billion dollars a year. So you're saying that if, that if we're spending two to three billion dollars a month, that means we're spending somewhere between 24 and 36 billion dollars a year. And one third of that budget for the military is spent just in Afghanistan. That doesn't fly. It does the numbers don't make sense to me? But well, I'm not an expert. Well, so I'm looking at this BBC story that I just searched online. Mm -hmm. Afghanistan war. How much has the uh, conflict cost the United States? And I'm looking at I'm looking at this. We've spent more than a trillion dollars on Afghanistan. According to the U.S. Department of Defense, the total military expenditures in Afghanistan from October 2001 to September 2019, which is more than a year ago, is $778 billion in Afghanistan. Since when? October 2001. We've spent how much? Between October 2001, 2001. and September 2019, we've spent over 700 78 billion dollars right, hold on 778 i'm pulling out my gonculator you're in trouble okay 778 billion dollars and that's from october of 2000 or to september of 20 or 2019 yeah from was it october of 2001 yep all right so first of all 12 months in a year times 18 years is 216 months Plus four months from 
September to December in 2001 equals 220. And further down the seven. article, not to interrupt you, but further down in the article. That was published when? Okay. It was published. This, this, this was published back in February of this year. And they updated the article further down. So it is based on the data that they have. It is now $822 billion since the war began. Well, that does work out to three point something billion dollars a month, roughly. There you go. Maybe we are spending that much. I don't know. That just seems seems high to me. It seems yeah. I could yeah. I could see that we spent a lot more in the beginning than we're spending now. Right. We're not it's not like we're flying a bunch of sorties with bombers like we were in two thousand one through like two thousand seven or eight. It, that's the average. It's that is the average. I don't uh, think our current expenditures are as high as people are saying. And I I'm looking at how it is. And and I'm and I'm I'm looking at this um this bar graph, and it seems like uh, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013 were the most expensive years, the four most expensive years in the Afghanistan, uh, the war in Afghanistan. And none of the vice presidential candidates, none of the presidential candidates has said anything about this in either of the debates. So what's the point of the debates if they're not going to talk about some of the most important issues? But I mean, granted, we haven't even. Well, you got to look who's moderating it because the moderator chooses the, the questions. So when we see these debates, whoever the moderator moderator is dictates really the tone of the debate as well as the, well, not the tone because the two candidates pretty much dictate the tone, but they dictate the topics that are going to be covered in there. That's their decision who, what questions they're going to ask. And last night, the mod, the moderator, I forget who it was, what, what's her face? But she, it, she much like um, Chris Wallace is, a, or Mike Wallace, rather, is another lefty. No, it was, it was Chris Wallace who was doing the, the moderating. Oh, Chris Wallace. Okay. So that's right. Mike Wallace is his dad. Uh, Chris Wallace is, is left-leaning by his own admission. Oh, He's sure. He's a registered Democrat. The person last night who was running the debate is also a registered Democrat. So, I mean, you didn't have the freak show of the debate last night like you had with the presidential debate. I mean, that kind of, let's, let's face it, part of the reason why they chose Pence is because he has the appearance of a very calm, controlled person. Yeah. Donald Trump does not. So you you have to expect that. And conversely, if Kamala Harris behaved like anything close to Donald Trump, in contrast with Mike Pence, that would have looked very bad for their campaigns. So she had to be much more stately, whereas Joe Biden could pretty much had free, free reign to behave however the hell he wanted to, because look at who he's debating against. I mean, come on. Jeez. Free range Joe. Right? You know, and it's it's interesting to me because like like I said, I only saw like five minutes of the debate. Yeah. I saw Kamala Harris be condescending. The Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both did this thing that I noticed where when Mike Pence or Donald Trump made a statement about something that 
has been done during the Trump administration, that a policy that Trump went through. They laugh. They laugh at it, which is so off-putting to me. You know, if in the debate between uh, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney, if Mitt Romney laughed at something Obama said, right, that would have turned me off completely. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you had Obama cracking jokes, but he wasn't laughing at what his opponent was saying. That just comes across to me as as needlessly condescending and presumptuous, you know? Yeah, okay, okay, Donald Trump, you presided over the best economy before COVID. Well, okay, whatever. You're still responsible for 210 uh, plus thousand American people's death, you know, and which is another statement that is disingenuous at best as well. Because that's assuming that the president of the United States has dictatorial powers. Because we live in a country that we call ourselves the, you know, freedom capital of the world. That's what we consider ourselves. That means that no matter what the president says or what the government does, a lot of people are going to be like, ah, fuck you, I don't want to do it. So how is that the president's fault? How is that Congress's fault? You know? And for all of those people who are saying, well, they're the people in charge, ask yourself this. Do you speed on the highway? Yep. Because if you speed on the highway, you're proving my point. And if you say you don't speed on the highway, you don't drive on the highway. Everyone speeds on the highway. Oh, yeah. Except for people in Utah who like to sit in the fast lane going 10 miles under the speed limit. But beyond that, most people speed when they're on the highway. Everyone knows it. The cops know it. Most cops won't even pull you over unless you're going over 10 miles over the speed limit. Or That's not all the time, but generally speaking. And everyone knows that, too. And why is that? Because the police are more interested in making sure you're not a danger to everyone else on the highway. But they know you're not following all the rules. They know it. Everyone knows it. So why are we blaming one person for the actions of 330 plus million people? You know, because the fact of, that we've had. Go ahead. Because of optics, Jay. Right. And when you think about it, even 200, I mean, this is going to sound cold hearted, but even 210, 211,000 people dying is less than half of 1% of the population. It's a dick way to look at it. It really is. But if you're going to throw numbers around, let's look at the numbers. If, you're gonna, if that's going to be your sticking point, let's look at those numbers. What do those numbers mean? That means there's a shit ton of people. I'll grant you that. Right. It's a shit ton of people. I don't want to have 200 plus thousand people dead from an illness like from, this. From anything. Absolutely. From anything. Right. But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, you know, we were told this is going to be a dangerous virus. And then they start holding out, you know, they start saying they knew how dangerous this was back in January. Did they? You know that for a fact, do you? You know that um, Dr. Fauci or whoever was advising them at the time of January said, hey, you know, this virus that they have in China, it's yeah. going to kill over 200,000 people in the United States unless you do A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z right now. Well, and Jay, also keep in mind, we we did podcasts on the this actual topic where they were actually wargaming a, a pandemic, an outbreak. Yeah. And how it's almost as if they knew in advance that this coronavirus was going to do something horrible. It wasn't the U.S. government per se. It was agencies within the health organization, the Gates Foundation, John Hopkins, 
all of these people but, yeah. knew that something awful was going to happen. And well, one of the event two hundred one, right? They, that they didn't know about the coronavirus. They were postulating what would happen if, right? Just at the, least that's what they keep telling. Well, just so, the, the the timing was very. I don't know if I want to use very suspicious. Suspect. It's very suspicious. It just very seems suspect. it seems very weird that they that that last year in 2019 they had all of these exercises for all of these outbreaks, and it seemed like wait a minute, all of a sudden they're having it. Right. I, and and the, those exercises took place over the course of, if I remember correctly, it's like June, July, and August. Yes, and then I think it was September or October when China had its first inclinations that coronavirus was out there and people keep forgetting that this is this is a virus that started in china and spread from there and they're trying to now say that it wasn't right but and because of a, a horrible internet connection that we had you and i recorded an hour and a half long episode yeah. that that for whatever reason there was some there was something something wrong with the the audio was awful because we get right. getting get kicked out and one of the things that we had talked about, and we're getting way, way off track here, as always. The entire yep. there's something very suspicious about this virus, and there's something very suspicious the way that it was handled when the outbreaks first occurred in China. Right. And when you when you say to people, listen, this is what the scientists had been saying. The scientists had been saying, many scientists in the scientific community in the realm of virology had said this is a very bad thing we should not be doing this thing we should not be doing gain of function experiments and editing and splicing coronaviruses because something awful would happen and then the, the the spokespeople for the wuhan institute of virology would on the one hand release this press release saying wow we made this really great brand new virus we did this amazing thing where we use CRISPR and we splice these these two viruses together and it's reproducing and it's and it's perfect and it's wonderful and people got awards for it and then people were saying an an outbreak is absolutely totally impossible it simply could not happen we could right. not have a, a leak at all and then one of the doctors was arrested for selling test animals, animals that had been experimented on across the street on the Huan wet market, where allegedly one of the first outbreaks had occurred. And when and when you show people what had happened and, and the chain of evidence, here, here's these articles that people have put their doctors with PhDs have written yep. and said, the reason why this virus is so dangerous is because it's something we've never seen in nature before it's a mutation of the coronavirus that may have been may have been genetically enhanced in this laboratory and people think you're freaking crazy for saying that and and it was just like here's the articles here's 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 Brett. it's okay you don't have to believe me <laughs> you know and it's like i'm not trying to convince you of anything i'm just saying right. look, listen this is what i've read this is what's concerning and people who i thought were friends are like oh eric why are you listening to this guy he's been discredited the brett weinstein is an expert a phd who has studied bat biology where viruses 
were supposed to come from? Why would you not listen to this guy? Well, because he's been discredited by the people who have a political axe to grind and they don't want people thinking certain things. Exactly. And it was, and that's sort of like... See, now that's the other part that really gets to me. Are you going to talk about... how yeah. quickly, sorry, about how quickly this was politicized. Yeah, it's shocking. It's it's absolutely, totally shocking. So the thing is, is that in the two debates that we have listened to so far, the first presidential debate, I listened to to twice to to talk about here on this podcast the vice presidential debate i only could listen to a part of it before i was so turned off as soon as i pulled into the driveway i turned the radio off and i didn't even bother listening to the rest of it i saw what people were so people were more obsessed with the fly crawling on mike pence's head than actually talking about the issues or the non-issues and then I read something that is going to bring us to an, another topic. Okay. John Cusack, the actor who I, I haven't seen in any movies lately. I haven't seen him in any movies in a couple of years. Okay. John Cusack had said that you need to violently shun people who aren't anti-Trump enough. And Thanks for contributing to the uh, political discourse within the country, John. That's Appreciate good, that. Good job. Good job. Very, very big of you. Well done. I don't. I don't think that that's appropriate. I don't think that that's. Is that even necessary? No. It's it's inappropriate and it is completely unnecessary. In fact, I I am actually a bit of a fan of John Cusack's movies. I like him as an actor. I think he's very entertaining yeah but in in terms of his politics no i completely disagree there is never never a reason to get violent when it comes to politics well in the word violently shunned i think came up right Vi to get violent to violently shun people and first of all what does that even mean i don't know violently shun them. i may have listened i may have heard it wrong jay that's well that's true but at the same time what if he's saying anything about being violent towards someone you politically agree with in any way, that is inappropriate. You know what we call things like that? How World War Three started. You know, we can't we can't allow our political discourse to fall to the level of violence in any way, because to do so would be to court a, another civil war. And no one in their right mind wants another war for whatever reason. Here's the actual article. Okay. John Cusack suggests he will no longer speak to family members who weren't, quote, aggressively, unquote, anti-Trump. So I kind of misremembered it wrong. Yeah, but still, even then, you're not going to talk to your family members? Because you disagree with them politically? Does that, how does that seem right? I've got a number of family members I don't agree with politically. If they were to call me up on the phone and be like, hey, I've had a really I've had a bad luck, blah, 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 my life's going bad right now, I would do everything I could to help them because they're family and that's what you do. I'm not going to turn my back on a family member simply because I disagree with them politically. I'm going to avoid talking politics with them depending on how the, the level of discourse goes when we talk politics. But I'm not going to shun them. This is I'm not going to. Yeah. 
This is what he said on Twitter. I'm sure you've all been through it with some family or co-workers or friends. Those who cannot see or choose not to see what Trump is, we're done talking permanently. And then this article in the Independent UK just goes on and on and on about how, um, you know, he's he's done with family members and friends and people he's known for a long time. And he's pledged to kick Tr Trump's loathsome Nazi ass out of the White House and into prison. And it's like, and I, and oh, I, he's pledged that, has he? He's, pl he's he pledged gonna that. Take all of his, he's going to put his personal fortune on the line to do that, is I, he? I don't know. I don't know. Right, I get I get sick and tired of these fucking Hollywood fucking elitists don't mince words who are out there saying I play make believe for a living and make insane amounts of money doing what you did as a child. You should listen to what I have to say about the weightiest the weightiest decisions facing adults in this world. I really do. Yeah. I'm sorry. I enjoy watching movies. I enjoy all forms of entertainment that are out there, but I'm not going to take any the the, the opinion of John Cusack has no more weight with me than the opinion of anyone else I'd meet. He is just another schmuck. Right. His the money he makes playing make believe does not give him any greater insight into what's going on. He doesn't have any more information about anything than anyone else does. And it's really easy when you make a lot of money that you don't don't do honest hard work to earn. It's really easy to say Everyone else should be doing this. Everyone else should be able to make the kind of money I make. There's no reason why there should right. be poor people in the world. Because you don't live in the real world. You don't have those real world experiences. You don't really know what it's like to struggle to pay for your family's needs, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't he does he doesn't know what it's like. What you and I have gone right. through with struggling to make sure that our kids have clothes, that, you know, all of our bills are paid. He doesn't know what any of that's like because he's led a privileged life by playing make-believe. He's got more in common with our children than he does with us because I, of that. I have, a, I have a hard time deciding whether or not I want to share this on the podcast. My wife and I had a, a really rough time in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm trying to juggle finances and find a way for us to pay for everything that we need. And so I can still do this podcast. And there mm -hmm. are a couple of things that I would like to be able to do to kick the podcast up a notch and get to the next level as it were. And there, mm -hmm. there are a couple of things that I need for the podcast just to make the audio sound better. And there's a whole, I mean, this is not a cheap hobby. No. It's honestly not. And Carol and I were having this conversation and he said, we simply cannot afford this piece of equipment. We simply just cannot right. afford it. And I can't, we can't afford for me to go and take a month or two or four months and, and go back to college and take a semester or two in audio produ production and engineering, if there's no guarantee that we're going to have a a return on investment or or a cash windfall at, right. at the end of this period, there's just there's simply no way. I had to take a, a job working in a factory just to help support the family. Period, and everything else mm -hmm. is is gravy. 
And by the way, right. now that we're on the keto diet, I need to see if whether or not keto diet is, if, if gravy is safe for the keto diet. <laughs> and well, meanwhile, we have a member in our extended family who, from everything that I understand, has never had to choose between paying the rent and paying the mortgage and buying groceries. Right. He has never had to choose between fixing his expensive car, his his performance sedan or coupe, or pay the rent and the mortgage. He's never yeah. known what it was like to be in your 20s and not know how you're going to afford to just simply survive, much less pay for your other college expenses. This character had everything taken care of for him. He's never known what it's like to be laying in bed awake at night, wondering how he's going to make it through the month and still be able to get ahead. He's never had to face falling behind because he always had mommy and daddy and grandma to be there and send him a check or a money transfer or or whatever. And he didn't need, and I don't even think he had to worry about the the, the money transfer because it just sort of happened automatically. And he so he looked, didn't even necessarily know where it was coming from. It just it was just there. Yeah. He ne he never and he looks down at people who haven't succeeded in life the way he has. If he's had a couple of hard months at the job and he hasn't made any money in um in any of the commissions if he hasn't made any commissions because the the market has crashed mommy and daddy and grandma were always there to, to support him yeah and it's like eric what the fuck is wrong with you how come you're working in a factory how come you can't how come you how come you're not stepping up how come you're not being a better provider for your family how come you? How come your podcast hasn't taken off? And I don't even think he even knows the podcasts exist. So I just use that as an example because I started yeah. this bit with this. There are people in the world, in our society, who are maybe not in the top one percent, but they're definitely within the top ten or fifteen percent. Right. And they've never known what it is like to be crying while looking at the bills, wondering how the fuck am I going to pay for all of this? And they look down at the people like us who don't vote the right way or don't drive the right car or they don't or we don't drive the right cars or we don't wear the the right clothes and we don't go on the right vacations and what do you right. what do you what do you mean you can't you can't afford to take a, a month or two off of leave of absence and 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 hang out with the family in Florida what's what's wrong with you yeah you you need to do better and it's the it's that same attitude from people like John Cusack, and right. I'm and I'm not making excuses for people who vote one way or another. Well, I, maybe I am. I understand why somebody would vote for another party because their party has not done anything for them since they started voting. The rich have gotten richer, and the poor have gotten poorer. So I'm going to look at this guy who is a political novice and a failed game show host and a liar and a make-believe billionaire. I'm going to give him a chance because the people that I've trusted since I was 18 years old and started voting, they haven't done shit for me. And then there's a lot of articles out there 
from col- columnists who are trying to figure out how come people don't vote? How come people? How come people don't vote? Don't be, uh, you need to vote like your life depends on it because it does. How come these people don't vote? These people don't vote because they feel so betrayed by the system. The system has betrayed them and they've been lied to by the media. Speaking about lies that the media tells us, I want to read this from the Washington Times by Rowan Scarborough, Washington Times, Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. Oh, by the way, that was the day after Carol's birthday. Carol, I know you listen to this because you don't listen to any other podcasts. I hope you had an awesome birthday, and I hope you're ready for an awesome birthday weekend, because I'm going to spoil you like you've never been spoiled before since last year, since I spoiled you. (laughs) Happy birthday, Carol. Hillary. I'm not going to spoil you. I'm just going to wish you happy birthday. You're damn right. Anyway, (laughs) um, Hillary Clinton behind plan to tie Trump to Russia. CIA warned Comey struck. This is the Washington Times. The CIA wrote a highly classified three-page memo to FBI Director James B. Comey and Agent Peter Strzok telling them that 2016 Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton had approved a plan to blame Russia computer hacking on rival Donald Trump. The Washington Times obtained a copy of the heavily redacted memo sent to the FBI on September 7, 2016, weeks after Mr. Strzok had opened the crossfire hurricane probe into the Trump campaign on suspicious conspiring, well, on suspicion of conspiring with the Kremlin. Then CIA Director John O. Brennan wrote in notes that Mrs. Clinton allegedly approved the plan one dis- disqualified, no, I'm sorry, disclassified document shows. Director of the National Intelligence John Ratcliffe had previously described the contents in a letter to Congress. He declassified the memo and notes on Tuesday at the direction of Mr. Trump. The president has repeatedly complained that he is the victim of a, quote, Russian hoax, unquote, that said that he colluded with the Kremlin. There's another thing. I sent you the screen cap to this. I don't know if you can... The Brennan memo refers to the source, a suspected Russian... An exchange redacted discussing U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's approval of a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of private email server, the CIA memo says. Mr. Brennan wrote in notes, quote, we're gaining additional insight into Russian activities, end quote. Mr. Brennan wrote that on July 26, Mrs. Clinton allegedly approved, quote, a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian security service. So, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your your political bent, this the the whole Russia Gate thing is a hoax apparently and these are the documents that prove it right and when you say these are the documents there is a the document itself is on the washington times yes uh and i and so, i sent you and i sent you the link via messenger yep, yep. looking and, at it right now and i and i read it and <laughs> i, I, I got to okay i got a quote 
<laughs> what Eric said in the chat. Read this car read this entire article. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> These released documents basically exonerate Donald Trump in only one way, in one way over. One way that Donald Trump was in cahoots, as it were, with the Russians and their hacking of the DNC server. Right. And when you read something like that, how are, you, how are you supposed to take these people seriously? And that there are still people who keep saying over and over and time again that that Trump is a Russian asset and that it's been debunked. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times we've talked about this. And this is all a distraction because if yep. you really wanted to nail Donald Trump on actual crimes and misdemeanors, and I've said this, and maybe I've said this too much, look at the emoluments clause of the Constitution. Look at how he might be profiting from his role as president. He's using the office of the presidency of the United States to make money for himself and his family organization, the Trump Corporation, the Trump brand, as it were. Look at how, yep. look at how family members have positions in his cab cabinet and how they're making money hand over fist. Meanwhile... Yeah. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden is doing the same thing. But you, you right. avert your eye. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Well, according to Joe Biden, it's been disproven several times over. He can't tell us where and how it's been disproven. But, you know, we by, just got to trust him on that. By He's whom? smiling Joe. Lunchbox Joe. Exactly. Lunchbox Joe says that, oh, no, no, this, is, this, has, all been, this has all been debunked. And I'm kind of like But that. he can't tell where and who debunked it. My son wouldn't lie to me is probably what he'd say. Yeah. He told me everything's fine. In the meantime, the guy that his son was running a, the business with was indicted by a grand jury. And people wonder why average Americans don't vote. More than half of the people who are eligible to vote don't vote. Because especially in this election, you have two very corrupt people who are running for office. And the only reason why people are championing Joe Biden is because he's not Trump. Right. That's the only that's the that's the only thing I see. And it's like there's a whole bunch of other things that we were going to get to in this episode. And it just hits me over and over again on the head about how if you feel frustrated by the political system, you're not alone. If you feel as yeah. if you are being victimized by the system and then vilified by the system because you don't participate in voting and you're frustrated, I completely, totally understand. I have good friends here in the region who were huge Bernie Sanders supporters for, for reasons, because Bernie Sanders says we need to do more to help these, these people out. We need to help these people who have been disenfranchised. And they saw the primary stolen from Bernie Sanders again and given to somebody who, quote, paid their dues, quote, unquote, into the Democratic Party. And I, all the friends that I have spoken to, none of them voted for Biden during the campaign. Nobody did the primary. I mean, no, nobody has told me that they have they voted for Biden in the primary. I cannot find one friend who will tell me I voted for Biden in the, in the primary. Right. I mean, that is anecdotal. That's but at anecdotal. The same time, at the same time, 
everyone basically in the Democrat Party after Super Tuesday stopped. Don't they just, they yeah. just said, all right, that's it, we're done. Don't you now? Th- yeah, don't do we? Go, go ahead. ahead. Don't you think that some of some of my uh, my friends and associates or my acquaintances would say, Eric, you're full of shit. I voted for Joe Biden. Don't you think that so- somebody would say, Eric, you're an asshole. I voted for Joe Biden. It's not a conspiracy. It's not. It's not. Well, I would think, but that doesn't necessarily just because you don't know anyone who voted for them doesn't mean no one voted. For them. Oh, that's yes, saying. exactly. I'm because ha- I can't. I can't find anybody who will tell me that they and I and I've looked hard, Jay. Yeah, in New England, which is you know a liberal bastion, so you would think that there would be at least a few people. I remember when I went up to see you. Um, when the hell was it? It was when Tulsi Gabbard was going to be on the show. Right. Exactly. And back in like, I think it was January, February, January, January, February. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Trump signs. We saw Tulsi Gabbard signs. We saw signs for um, Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Did Warren. not see an Elizabeth. We saw a bunch for Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. But I remember you and I went out to go get drunk. I mean, to go shopping. <laughs> and we saw, <laughs> we saw no signs for Joe Biden. Because I remember we actually commented on it. There are no Joe Biden supporters in your area. None. Yeah. Whatsoever. And it's unusual that a Democratic candidate as densely populated as your area is, as inundated with left-leaning or Democrat-leaning people, you know, you would expect to see support for pretty much all of the candidates to very varying degrees. But at that time, we honestly were saying Joe Biden's such a joke. I don't know why he's running. He has no hope of winning. Yeah. We were saying that in January. Now he is the guy that's running against Trump. And in all seriousness, if anyone on the left wants is pissed off on why there is there doesn't seem to be a lot of popular support outside of their own candidate, their own um, political circles for Joe Biden. Have you looked at Joe Biden lately? I try. There's hard literally not to. no difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So the people who don't like Donald Trump have no reason to like Joe Biden other than the parenthetical letter after his name. And most of those people don't care about that parenthetical letter after the name. Because people have gone back to the 70s and 80s and early 90s. And found Joe Biden saying some of the most racist, sexist things you well, could they possibly they don't even imagine. Have to do that. They don't even have to do that. Which political candidate am I talking about right now when I say they have a problematic history with women? They have a, a, examples of nepotism and corruption within their immediate family, i.e. their spouse and children. They have a history of lying and misleading the public and self-aggrandizing their accomplishments. They are white. They are male. They are rich. They are old. Which candidate am I describing right now? Yes. Exactly. I'm describing both of them. They both fit that category. You can't tell me that the Democrat Party is the party of inclusion when you've got a rich old white guy as your presidential candidate. And people talk about the environment. And how Joe Biden is going to be better for the environment, while at the same time he's saying he will will not end fracking. 
He's come well, right hold up. Hold on. Not only does he not say he won't end fracking, in the presidential debate, he said that, you know, he's not for the Green Deal. But when you look all over his campaign site, the Green Deal is all over the fucking place. He doesn't know what's on his campaign site. He doesn't know. I'm looking for someone to vote for. As you've said several times, my vote is in is in play. Yeah. I have not decided on who I'm going to vote for for president. And Joe Biden doesn't even know what his own goddamn campaign is saying that he supports. Yeah. So why should I vote for him? And and why should you vote for Trump? There be th- well, to address That's exactly it too. Address the, you know, the people who listen to this show who are friends of mine who are Trump supporters and the reason why they're Trump supporters is vast and long and has nothing to do with racism. Right. And I have and I've and I've said to my friends and I actually had to like say this when it comes right down to it I don't care who you vote for. I I'm here and I I'm not saying that I'm done talking about it because I'm obviously I'm still talking about it on the podcast. I'm done talking about the differences between Trump and Biden. Because every time you turn around, there's another claim of this and another claim of that. There are these claims of this candidate being absolutely, totally inept and disengaged with reality. And then I turn around and the same claims can be made for the other guy. One guy says, the scientists say this, so we're going to do that. And the other guy says, the scientists say this, but we're going to do that. Fracking is bad. We're not going to end fracking, says says Joe Biden. And then somewhere else you say, oh, I'm absolutely going to end fracking. And it's like he, he's constantly contradicting himself. And meanwhile, we, you, we have a president who came down with COVID, goes to Walter Reed, gets this incredible treatment, and now it's like it never happened. And, it, yeah. and it's, it's almost as if he's, he's mocking his own illness. And it was like there are moments when I think, well, that's it. Donald Trump has, has lost the election. And then there are times I'm thinking, well, that's it. Joe Biden has lost the election. And it's like, where are the huge rallies that Obama had when he was running for president back in 2008? Like back in 2008, it was just like, there's no way John McCain is going to win. There's, 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 there's none of the excitement. There's none of the buzz. There's, right. no, there's no, nobody is running to the local tattoo parlor. And getting a tattoo of the Ob- of the, the the Biden logo on their back. There's nobody who's like like holding mixers and 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 garden parties and 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 uh, beer gardens for Biden the way that they did there, for, yeah. for Obama. There's where's the where's There's the pa- no excitement. Where's the passion? Where's the ground game? The, they're banking on the fact that Trump is so disliked, they don't have to do anything. But they're also not paying attention to the people who do like him or why they like him. That's where I think the Democrats are going wrong here. If they paid attention to what it was the people who support Trump are saying, instead of falling back on their inane, he's a racist, he's a misogynist, he's A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z. They're throwing just the same things. Everyone on the Republican Party, if you vote Republican, it's because you're a racist. That's it. That's all they've got when Obama was president. Now that, you know, they don't have a person of color as their candidate, they're saying, you know, uh, all the Trump supporters, he supports white nationalists. Okay, the Proud Boys are not white nationalists. How do I know this? Because they're led by a person who is not white. It was started by Gavin McGinnis, but right now the current leader 
who was elected by popular vote within the movement is not a white person. So they are not white supremacists. Plain and simple. If you can't identify your enemy accurately, you have no chance of winning against them. And that is where the Democrats are going wrong. They don't know their enemy. They know what they think of their enemy. They know what their echo chamber thinks of the enemy. And that's why they can't gain any traction with the middle ground. There's a lot of people in the middle ground who support Trump's policies, but despise Trump. This is prime for them to get a hold of those candidates. But the truth of the matter is they all know that honestly, up until about, yeah, let's say April, May timeframe of this year, Trump's economy was screaming. Yeah. It was, it was going like gangbusters. You could the nothing else could have stopped it except Trump. And he stopped it because of the coronavirus. And they're trying to say that the economy is his fault. The crash of the economy is his fault, that there's no reason why the economy had to crash. Bullshit. If you're saying that, it's because you don't understand what it was that we've done to react to the fucking coronavirus that you guys told us was so goddamn dangerous and deadly and all of that shit. I want so you can't yeah. you can't blame someone for something that he didn't create, you know, and they see that the people in the middle of America see that the people who are nominal Trump supporters they see that they're like, okay, you're being disingenuous. You're not being honest. You don't truly understand me or my difficulties that I'm facing. If the Democrat party would just listen to the people that they claim to champion, they would have a lot more people on their side, but they can't be fucking bothered to do it. And it's frustrating. It's infuriating. I don't like Trump. Yeah. I'm not a never Trumper. But I also am not someone who's out there saying that, you know, anything and everything Trump says and does is bad. Why? Because I open my eyes and I understand, hey, you know what? Things were going pretty damn good under Trump. Trump got Israel and Palestine to the peace table and they signed a goddamn treating. Yeah. Treaty that no other president has done. Say what you want about Trump. He did get that to happen to happen. Yeah. You know, you can point out that he hasn't paid any taxes. That's exactly right. He hasn't. You're absolutely right. He doesn't have the money that he claims to have. You're absolutely right. He doesn't have the money that he claims to have. There's a lot of problems with Trump. A he is lot not of problems. 100%. Yeah. He is not 100% honest. We all know that. Oh, Everyone yeah. knows that. But instead, they'd rather say, they'd rather point out that he is, for whatever reason, they want to they want to say that, paint him as some sort of racist. How's that working for you guys? It's not. And meanwhile, That's exactly, but they they don't understand why. They he's here's the other thing that and me is this basically the theme of the podcast why voters are frustrated? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um from Mother Jones. And you know, I mean Mother Jones is an ultra right-wing <laughs> borderline fascist publication. That is it's <laughs> It's 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 pro-war, it's anti-environment. Mother Jones is anti-people of color, is is pro-capitalism, and I'm full of shit and sarcasm <laughs> at this very moment. You know I'm being fucking facetious when I say this. Right. Okay. Yep. Na name another 
publication that's more liberal than Mother Jones and has been around for at least 20 years? Uh, WAPO. Not WAPO. Um, HuffPo? Uh, HuffPo. HuffPo. I would, I would have to say that there, Mother jo- Mother Jones is far more liberal. I don't know about far, but I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. That Mother Jones is a, is a very, very left publication. Right. We'll go with that. They published an article here, and it's one of the things that I read in doing show prep for this episode. Bernie Sanders is working to turn out young voters, even if Biden keeps bashing socialism. And not only is Biden bashing socialism or socialist values or socialist programs, Biden is actively bashing Bernie Sanders himself. Yeah. Joe Biden loves to remind people how he beat the socialists. And even though Bernie Sanders keeps saying, Joe Biden, I like Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a friend of mine. Joe Biden can't help himself but shit on Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders supporters and just talk badly about them. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is working hard to get the youth vote and his supporters to vote for Biden. And at the risk of his personal credibility with them too. I don't by mean, the way, it, it yeah, needs to be said. I don't I don't see how I, I I don't I don't see how Bernie Sanders supporters can see what they're doing to Bernie Sanders and still want to vote for Joe Biden. While Joe Biden is talking shit about his supporters. Like if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, and maybe I'm I'm repeating myself what I said earlier. If you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you see Bernie Sanders is doing everything that he can to win the election for Joe Biden and Joe Biden is saying mean-spirited things about the socialist that he beat. Are you going what are you what are you going to do? Are you going to vote for Joe Biden or are you going to say fuck it protest vote I'm voting for I'm going to write in Bernie Sanders. Fuck it. I'm done. What do you think? I, what's what do you think I, is going to happen? I think that there is definitely an argument to be made that there will be an, a certain number of people that are going to do that. Is it going to be enough to impact anything? We don't know. Is it going to be reported on at all? We don't know. They can't even seem to get the mail going to the right goddamn place right now. And like we've all seen the articles of mail-in ballots that they have found on the side of the road or thrown into a ditch or things like that. Where's And we're supposed to have confidence in the complete security of mail-in ballots. Anyone who has has security in mail-in, mail-in ballot voting clearly has never received any mail from the U.S. Postal Service because none of us trust it because we've all used it. Right. You can't tell me with a straight face that it is a well-run, well-oiled machine that doesn't lose, ever lose a parcel so we can trust it completely with our votes. You can't say that with a straight face because you've used it, unless you're a really convincing liar, in which case, you know, why aren't you the person on the on the ballot? Because, damn, they could certainly use something. They could use you. Well, I mean, fine, a fine example. It's crazy, though. Fine, fine example. Um, there was a deadline for an art show and I sent some of our Fedora Chronicles work that somebody thought was really nice and I, it, would, it would go great with the theme of this art show. 
And the deadline was at a certain date at a certain, and I trusted the U S postal service and it arrived late. It arrived just in time for the show, but not in time for the judges viewing and pick a winner. And, um, it turned out that I may have won. I could have won if my work showed up on time. Now, who who do I blame? Who do I go to and say I'm pissed because I I I I I, I lost. I was I didn't even lose. I wasn't even in in, in the running because of the post right. office. How is that? How is that? My and you got to trust your vote to the post to office. Those same people. Mean meanwhile, we have stories about ballots being thrown out and ballots being harvested and like people like filling out all the Democrats names or the Republicans names. Both sides apparently are doing this. Yep. Your ballot is being stolen out of your, your mailbox and you, you don't think that there is, there isn't going to be some rigging on both sides since it's already happening now as we speak. Right. I think I mean, if we're going to stick with the with, with the theme of, of why are voters frustrated and why people are checking out, I think these stories have a lot to do with it. Why bother voting? Oh, why bother voting if you know that there's going to be some kind of fraud on both sides? People are saying that the, one of the reasons why Trump is pushing so hard for his Supreme Court nominee and told Mitch McConnell, don't bother any COVID relief don't waste your time on that. Push through our girl, our lady, to be the next Supreme Court judge. Focus on that. That's not, it's first of all, that's that's political maneuvering, and a no one should be surprised by that. They really shouldn't. And it's because Trump is seems to actually be playing the long game here in terms of his own political legacy, which is honestly words I never thought I would say. Right. You know, um, Trump, I've always seen as an egotistical figure, narcissist who really doesn't care so much about the party, except for what the party can do for him. And yet by doing this, he is doing something that will not go down as a victory for him. So why is he doing it? That must, must mean that somewhere deep in the caverns of his cranium, he actually does give a shit about the legacy that he is leaving. And he sees that as being one of conservatism. Who knew? Trump actually gives a shit about that. Huh? That's news to me. I never would have thought that in a million years because that's not how he is portrayed. That's not how he portrays himself. That's not how he presents himself. Yeah. It's very uncharacteristic of him. So again, you, you we find ourselves in this position where it's like, okay, is, is he a genius or is he an idiot? Cause that's not the move of an idiot. That's a pretty smart political move. So he's not, Clearly, he's not just an idiot. He's not some schmuck out there, you know, just kind of presenting things willy-nilly. Only He only cares about how what he's going to look like. Because this is not something that's going to put him in a good light historically. 
It may, it may not, depending on how the history books get written. But he's not guaranteed of that. He seems to be more geared towards whatever's going to make me look good is what I'm going to do. So this move kind of comes out of left field to my understanding of Donald Trump and how he behaves. But at the same time, it is a bit self-serving in that he is endearing himself to a certain portion of the population. You know, the people like me who have the Second Amendment as something I'm very concerned about losing my right to have guns. And a left-leaning Supreme Court is has a vested interest in eliminating the Second Amendment. We know this because they've actually said they've it. They've actually said and they I, wanted to do that. Yeah, and I tend to believe people when they say things like that, you know? Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this move. I can see it from both sides, good Trump, bad Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't get it. But hey, if he's doing something that is going to be to my benefit, I'm going to take the selfish route and be like, good Trump. You know, does that make me an asshole? Well, if you know me, that's not a stretch. No, it's no, not you. No. (laughs) You know, Um, so I, I don't. This is where, again, the Democrat Party could be making inroads politically to their opponents, but they're not, you know, um, they could be trying to find out exactly why it is that people like Trump, but they're not. They believe in their heart of hearts that if they continue calling people a racist and a misogynist, that it's going to carry traction and no one wants to be associated with racism and misogyny, you know, while they're not looking at their own candidate, their own candidates are awful. Well, and I mean, Kamala Harris is Kamala Harris. She is the one of the first, if not the first person to have dropped out of the race. So why did they choose her as a VP candidate for Joe Biden? That makes no sense to me. Was it because they went to everyone else and they were like, uh, no, no. And she said, yes, but I want ABCDXYZ. And they were just fucking desperate because they needed someone. That more and more seems to be accurate to me because I can't figure out any other reason why, why would you tap Kamala Harris as the VP? She doesn't have a huge following. Is it just to establish their bona fides? Yeah, we know we're running a misogynist, racist, rich, white, old man as our candidate and we're the party of inclusion. So look, here's a woman of color. She identifies as black. Vote for us. She, you know, I mean, she's, Jamaican, I think it is. Which is not to say she's not black. I don't know. She's she is who she is, but she doesn't exactly have a great record as Attorney General of California. She doesn't have a great record on race as the Attorney General of California, which is problematic for them. Um, I don't know. I just I don't. When I look at this election, there's I find myself scratching my head more often than not. Well, one of the things that people like about our podcast and the kind of work that we do here at the Fedora Chronicles is that we've been doing a lot of chatting about online censorship, mostly because we've been the victim of online censorship and harassment. And I wanted to get your take on this, and I don't know if you actually saw the link that I had sent you, but a couple of days ago, by the time you, the listener, hear this, there was a release from uh, a release of a report called The Investigation of Competition in Digital Markets 
Um, Majority Staff Report and its Recommendations, Subcommittee on Antitrust, Commercial, and Administrative Law of the Committee on the Judiciary. And to make a short story long, what they've actually done here is that Congress has done an investigation into unfair trade practices within social media and how the monopolies, as it were, has done everything that they can to shape the way people think and feel about certain topics. Like, let's just take politics, because that's what we're talking about in this episode. And how frustrated people are with this election and why so many people feel disenfranchised. And you and I and most of our listeners have seen posts from people who have posted something on Facebook and they saw it taken down because it doesn't meet their community standard guidelines. Whereas, a fine example, we did the show on Frazzle Drip and Pizzagate. And you and I spent a good two hours talking about this subject on that episode and then the following episode. And in the subtitle, it says debunking or the fact and fiction behind sex abuse or child sex abuse allegations against Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, John Podesta. It literally says in the subtitle, the fact and fiction debunking conspiracy theories. And we wanted to put an ad on Facebook to promote this episode of the show. They've like ta- we do with all the other episodes. They, they've taken our money before, gladly. Yeah. And we've gotten a, a small bump in our traffic, and the ad was rejected because we, t- we, we talk about the fact and fiction of this conspiracy theory. And there are other people who have posted things about you know, save the children and child trafficking, and they've had their posts taken down because they don't meet Facebook's guidelines. You can post memes of a fat, naked man with Donald Trump's face photoshopped, and that's a political ad, and that's protected by Facebook. You can post some of the most disgusting things about Donald Trump all you want on Facebook. You can, to a smaller extent, do the same thing about Joe Biden. But the minute that you post something about Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden and saying that you believe Tara Reid. Hashtag believe women. Believe all women. Believe Tara Reid. People have told me that their posts have been taken down with the screen captures and that Facebook will take ads from almost anybody. But if it if it doesn't fit their narrative, they they won't accept the ad. They have right, and people will dismiss it and say they're a business. Why would they turn down the ad? To which you respond with, "That's my point entirely. Why the hell are they doing it?" And then they just whatever. I know that they're a multi-billion-dollar corporation, Jay, and my um. My 10 bucks is is not even one-tenth of a drop in the bucket. Yep. But the thing, they actively go after people who have... All we wanted to do was just talk about the fact and fiction of Pizzagate. And we debunked a lot of it. 
We debunked right. a lot of Pizzagate. Wouldn't you think that they would love to have somebody debunk Pizzagate advertising on their platform? Especially a couple of conspiracy theorists. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't you want a conspiracy theorist and his buddy, who is also a conspiracy theorist, debunk one of the most obnoxious conspiracy theories of the past two or three years? Wouldn't you want that? Right. Especially considering we're both right-leaning and we're debunking this shit. You would think this would be maybe not a goldmine because, let's face it, we don't have that big of an audience yet. But you would think at least they would be like, hey, these guys get it. And here's another thing, Jay. What if it wasn't $10? What if it was $10,000? Was it the size of my ad that they didn't like? It wasn't enough? Should I have upped the ante a little, as it were? Should I have taken some of our Patreon dollars and put it towards advertising that episode of the podcast? You think maybe that would have been a good idea? I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is that it was like they will accept some people's ads but reject others. And that they will take some people's meme, memes down about Joe Biden sniffing other people's kids. I mean, literal real pictures of Joe Biden sniffing other people's kids' hair and getting yeah. getting too frisky and touchy-feely. And we posted a link to a news story about a couple of men within the Secret Service filed charges against Joe Biden, who was a little too kissy face with some of their wives at a Secret Service holiday party. And that link was taken down in the group on Facebook, Fedora Chronicles News of the Week, that we have just a couple of members. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we have more than 100. Because it's one, it's something I, I put all of my focus on on the main one. Um, the link to that story has been taken down. Now I can post it over on Parlay, on MeWe, and this new one called Minds hasn't been taken down. None of my links have been taken down yet. Why would you keep posting on Facebook if they keep taking down your memes for apparently no good reason? I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a right. good reason to take it down. Well, also, if you dispute it, now correct me if I'm wrong, if you dispute it, they will tell you we're not allowing it because it's a violation of this or that policy. They will tell you what reason they have. And if you point out to them other posts that they have allowed that are also within violation of that policy, you don't get any response from them. You know, like you and I can't post a video where we use the N-word, but they have links to all sorts of music videos of just you know posts of from from people who are not white using the n-word so it's okay for them to say it but it's not okay for other people to say it that is a little more understandable but why is it okay for someone to say like you know donald trump um you know they they post these posts about donald trump saying that if his daughter wasn't his daughter, he'd probably date her. Right. And they imply that Donald Trump is a incestuous pedophile. They can post that shit, but you can't post an actual news story about how, you know, there are secret service members who 
brought up charges against Joe Biden because he was a little too frisky with their children. You can't post that. And then you're telling me you don't have any bias and it's all about fact checking. Apparently facts are mutable things that are objective. Yeah. Um, here you go. Here, here's here's a uh, Daily Wire published this story. This is back in May 15th, 2020, a couple of months ago. Flashback. Joe Biden accused of swimming naked in front of female Secret Service agents. Media dismissed the claim. Though his yeah. alleged behavior of Joe Biden's has been circulating the web as far back as 2014, it has been a revisited in the past few days in the light of Tara Reid's allegations of sexual assault against him. But when the news of Biden's aquatic nakedness first broke, it barely became a major story, mostly because left-wing media outlets dismissed the allegations as mere specula speculation while trashing the source. So the thing is, is that the article goes on to tell you about how the left-wing media has providing cover for Joe Biden's crazy antics. Another news story that I, uh, that I just skimmed is that Joe Biden was accused of groping the breast of the wife of a Secret Service agent during a, a, a gathering, a party. There are plenty of accusations against Joe Biden's groping behavior that would get you fired in large corporations. And he gets away with this. He gets away, right. he gets away with it often. Now, the question I have to ask you, Jay, is why is it that Donald Trump is accused of doing something and then Joe Biden is accused of the media will go crazy with it. The media will go insane. It, it, Rachel Maddow will talk about it three nights in a row. Joe Biden is accused of inappropriate touch. Of the same thing. Of the same exact thing. Yeah. And, and the media ignores it. Now, the question that I have to ask you, why? I mean, I mean honestly, using, your, using the unbiased part of your brain, can you explain? Yeah, it's because why? they have a bias. They don't want their candidate to look bad. That is why they will run stories about Trump all day long with the same level of accuracy with the same level of uh evidence they will run them against trump all day long but they won't run them against biden citing that they don't have enough evidence to support the allegations it has to be biased it has to be there there's no other logical explanation for why they would do that other than that they have a bias and i'm getting Honestly, I'm getting tired of people saying shit like, well, media is a big corporation and big corporations are conservative. Well, are they? Because if you look at their behaviors, they're not. Everyone seems willing to offend conservatives because conservatives will say you're entitled to your opinion. But and then, you know, they won't try and destroy the business. They may not give them their own personal patronage, but they won't be out there protesting in the streets telling everyone you need to not show up at walmart or you need to not shop at target they won't conservatives tend to not do that liberals do so a lot of companies take a liberal stance because they know conservatives historically are not are understanding that they've got to say and do certain things so they don't get hit by cancel culture and we understand that we may not like it but hey that's just the way the world is right now however liberals insist that everyone believes the way they do 
They get pissed off and angry and will boycott your business if you don't follow along with their agenda. And anyone who's shaking their heads right now and saying, oh, he's a conservative, he's just butthurt because the world's not going his way. Ask yourself this. When was the last time you saw conservatives demanding anyone boycott anything? God, you know what? That's that's a... I'm trying to think because I I do know of some conservatives that will demand a boycott if like if there's anything any corporation is pro abortion or if a CEO donates a lot of money towards something like planned parenthood I can th- I I remember I do remember some instances of that but i can't re- i cannot remember any offhand i know it ha- I, even I, remember, I, I don't even remember those i know it ha- i know it happens occasionally occasionally well that's just it logically speaking it has to have happened it has to have happened but we don't see like okay here's a prime example okay police members of the police have and members of the military have been falsely accused of things in the past and have been wrongfully convicted and gone to jail. Where were the riots? Excuse me, the mostly peaceful protests. Where were they? They have studies on the behavior of people who lean certain ways politically. And they know from these studies that a corporation can get away with not towing the line for a conservative movement, which is why they tend to not care so much about offending conservatives. There are studies that show this, but you can't toe the line for the people who claim to be the most tolerant in the world because they will do things to actively end your business. And they have no qualms about telling you they'll do it. Now, that's not to say that the conservative movement doesn't have its own share of hypocrisy. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. But there is a certain level of unacceptance Mm -hmm. and intolerance in a lot of these left-leaning movements. Well, sure. And the companies are going to be more willing to lean in that direction or give the appearance of leaning in that direction because they know that there is no tolerance for anyone who disagrees with the agenda. Well, the squeaky wheel gets the the grease, Jay. I mean, we know that. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's why that's why there's a lot of companies that are out there that will appear to be left leaning because they know they can do that and still not run the jeopardy of losing business like they would if they appeared too right-leaning. They lean too far to the right, there's consequences. But if they appear to be leaning too far to the left, most people on the right just kind of shrug and go, eh. It is what it is, and what are you going to do? Well, that's really the end game, isn't it? What are you going to do? Because you can bitch and moan all you want, but if you're not willing to do something about it, you have no right to complain about it. And God knows I do whine and complain about it when I can (laughs) when I get the chance. What, this I, is why we have a podcast, so we, we can whine and complain so we, about so it. So we can whine and complain. Um, I wanted to sort of end this topic and this show talking about voter shaming again. Yeah. And 
one of the things that sort of set me off on this is Michelle Obama doing a video talking about why we should all vote for Joe Biden and how this is there's this is no time for a protest vote. We should we should not be voting for third party. All the people who vote for third party ought to be ashamed of themselves because those votes should go to Joe Biden. As if somehow you seem to believe, Michelle Obama, that everybody who is voting third party are people who lean liberal. You've accused me a couple of times, and perhaps rightfully so, that I lean conservative. I do, there are yeah. some, there are, I do have some, quote, conservative values, quote unquote. I think they're more libertarian, but that's, that's neither here nor there. As somebody who used to be a registered Republican, who had a come to Jesus time, a come to Jesus moment when George W. Bush nominated Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court and conservatives were ecstatic, even though she had no judicial experience. That's basically when I got off the Republican train. Okay. Okay. And that's when I really started becoming a independent voter. Mm -hmm. But like you had said, I often lean conservative. If I vote for a third party candidate, uh, that's not a vote that should have gone to Joe Biden. Right. Many of my other friends who are going to write in Bernie Sanders because of what happened to Bernie Sanders. I belong to three groups still on Facebook with people who say that they're going to write in Tulsi Gabbard as a protest yeah. what are they doing to earn our vote what are they doing besides trump is so horrible what are they doing besides orange man bad to get me to vote for joe biden and the more that they say you're a bad person for voting third party because it's th things have never been more horrible D do you think that the likes of michelle and barack obama are going to convince me to vote for joe biden because they're going to say that now is not the time for that now is not the time for a protest vote because let me tell you something th there have been a lot of hours that i've spent on this a lot of hours that i've spent on this topic thinking about this there are times when i'm working at the factory i think of nothing else than trying to figure out if there's any way that I could muster a vote for Joe Biden, knowing everything that I know about him, starting from the first campaign in 1988. Right. Now, I mean, honestly, and Jimmy Dore talks about this nonstop on episodes of his podcast. What are you doing to win over people who don't vote? Who are you? How are you going to get people who feel disenfranchised and people who feel excluded from society? How are you going to get low-income people to vote for somebody who doesn't offer them anything new other than orange man bad? What are you, what are you offering people? Well, it's the same argument as the whole, you're voting against your own best interests, right? I've heard that argument. More often, I've heard it in Massachusetts and since I moved out here to Utah. But I've heard the argument several times that if you are, say, on welfare or if you live in an inner city and you are below a certain income level you should never vote republican because you're voting against your own best interests that as a statement is very telling to me 
because what they're saying, in effect, is we pander to you. Why don't you vote for us? You need to vote for us because we pander to you. Yeah. But that's not how they see it, right? And I personally, it's been a few presidential elections now where I look at the candidates and I'm not looking at why they're better than the other person. I'm looking at why I should vote for them at all. So I'm kind of right where you are with that in that what reason are you giving me why I should vote for you instead of the other schmuck? Are you giving me any reasons? Because if all you have is I'm better than the other guy, well, that depends now on how I feel about that other guy, doesn't it? And if I feel like the other guy's an asshole, but you know what? I think the country was doing better under his administration than um, you seem to think it was. That's not really incentive for me to vote against them now, is it? But they honestly no. can't, they can't see how anyone would think the country was better under that other guy. I see a lot you know? of, uh, yeah, I see a lot of people either quitting mm -hmm. or threatening to quit Facebook because of the mentality that we started the show with talking about John Cusack and yeah. how he will no longer talk to family and friends who aren't as anti-Trump as he is. Right. They're not towing the line. Right. And there have been so many anti-Trump and anti-Biden posts on Facebook, on my feed. I don't know about your feed. And I don't know about your feed, dear listener. But it's gotten to the point where it's nauseating. And I can't do it anymore. And it got to the point where I realized maybe I should delete Facebook from my cell phone and go on Facebook only to promote the podcast or post links to news items that we will be talking about later. And just a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about how Facebook and Twitter and these other platforms, Google especially is, is being targeted by the antitrust committee in Congress because of the way that they manipulate search results. Yes. I'm going to go out on a limb here because we're, we're looking at an hour and 45 minutes into the show as of this recording. I'm going, to, I'm going to make a prediction that this election is going to break the backs and break the monopolies of a lot of these social media platforms, including Facebook, especially Facebook and especially Twitter, because of all the people who have been blocked or suspended for reasons they don't even know other than the fact that they posted something anti or pro candidate. Right. I think that I think that this election has shown society for what it really is and it's very dark and it's very ugly and I think that a lot of people are getting alienated and I think that they're and it, to a small extent it's it's not Facebook's fault. But Facebook especially has become a very dark place to participate. And I think people are done. And I think that people are either going to quit social media altogether or they're going to go for these other platforms. Well, I'm going to say that that's only true for a certain segment of the population. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you fully. I think that is definitely going to happen, but it's only going to be for certain... Only certain types of people are going to do that. Because there's a lot of people who seem to enjoy the lack of intellectual free-for-all that is Facebook politics. There are people out there 
who just seem to revel in I can post whatever I want, you can't stop me, and your candidate's a big poopy face. And they do so, and I don't believe they think they're changing anyone's mind. I believe they don't give a shit if they're changing anyone's mind. They are not willing to engage in a conversation, and they don't care. They just are throwing their opinion out there to the wind. They don't care if anyone hears it. They don't care if anyone likes it or not. They're just throwing their opinion out there. I think there is far more of those people than we like to necessarily think. And that, to me, is unfortunate because I like, I enjoy the conversation, the intellectual stimulation that comes with talking with someone with whom you disagree. But when that conversation ceases to be a conversation and it turns into, well, your guy's a big poopy head, I've lost interest. I am no longer intellectually stimulized by that conversation because it is no longer a conversation. It's a three-year-old holding their breath and making faces at you and sticking out their tongue. Yeah. So I think Facebook is going to continue to be around. And if I'm being completely honest, a lot of those people who do that are in our generation. I think it's a travesty and a tragedy because you know, what are we teaching our kids by doing things like that? Nothing good, that's for sure. But that's how, you know, people just do things. They don't necessarily think about the consequences of their actions. They don't necessarily think about what it is saying about them when they espouse certain things in a certain way. They don't just don't think about that aspect of it. And hey, it's a free country. They're entitled to do that. They're entitled to act like a child. I'm entitled to ignore them. And the truth is we don't get anywhere. And we are seeing an increasing divide between people who feel politically active and the lack of ability to discuss that those beliefs in a civil manner with the other side. Yeah. And in honesty, I, I blame the media, the main the main media for this, you know, broadcast news. CNN, MSNBC, Fox, all of them do this, yeah. right? Where they put on people as, as opposing viewpoints as possible and they get into a shouting match and that's it. And it's like the presidential debate. We're not hearing them discuss anything. We're not hearing them say, this is why you should vote for me. This is about this. This is about the other thing, you know, and this is how I, I see this. I see this problem. And this is how I plan on dealing with it. We're not seeing that in the presidential debates. We're seeing, hey, you were accused of this by your opponent. What do you have to say about that? Why? Because it's going to lead to that strongly felt reaction. Yeah. And we're not going to get any substance or policy. What did we learn about Joe Biden's stance on environmentalism in the presidential debate? I don't know. Because the thing is that it was like he keeps changing his That's view my point, on certain things. We didn't learn anything about his stance. Why didn't the moderator say, Joe Biden, what is your stance on environmental policy? And then when Joe Biden responded, the moderator, not the opponent, should have been the person to say, well, you say that you're not for the Green Deal, but here is a quote from your campaign website, you know, and then turn to Donald Trump. What is your policy on the environment? You know, well, here is what it says on your campaign website. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why don't we have that happening 
in the presidential Because debate. that means that Chris Wallace would have actually had to do some work before the oh, debate. Oh, come on. That's, that's, that's a cheap cop-out, man. <laughs> he, no, seriously. He, he did some work before the debates. He figured out how he was going to make Trump look like an ass. Oh, okay. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You know? You're right. But you're why right. is why right. was that his debate prep is my problem? Why wasn't his debate prep, you know, I've got to press these guys both, find out what their positions are, so I, so the, the public who is depending upon me to get these answers is better informed on their decisions right. in December. That's not how the moderators are viewing things. They're trying, they're going, looking at things from how can I make my guy look good, which in my opinion should disqualify them from being a moderator to begin with. And the truth of the matter is if you say something that pisses off both sides, both sides end up leaving whatever it is that they saw you on thinking that you're a member of the other side. They don't see you pressing the other guy as hard as you press their guy. Yeah. So you've got this weird sort of dichotomy where you have biased mediators to begin with and then you've got a populace that is so biased that they don't see and recognize it when someone's being unbiased you know so we've we've gotten to this place in politics and this is how we ended up with joe biden and donald fucking trump as our presidential candidates and everyone shakes their heads on this what happened and it's like all right well you're not really paying attention then because it's clear how this happened I can point it out to you, but are you going to pay attention to what I'm going to say? Or are you going to say, oh, you're just a right-wing nut job? And people don't want to look at their answer to that question, honestly, either. Because everyone likes to think that they're intelligent. Everyone likes to think that they're not biased, when the truth is we all are. Yeah. And I think we'd be better served as a, as a group of people, as a population, to admit our bias than try and deny it. There's nothing wrong with being biased. What's wrong is having that bias and refusing to see it. Yeah. That is where you don't learn and where you don't grow as a person and you cease to cease to progress, really. I think you and I have basically nailed this topic. I think we've I think we have actually figured out why voters are frustrated and why so many people don't vote. Yeah. And I don't I don't I don't think that we could talk any more about this topic without just simply repeating ourselves. I think that I, this is one for the archives. When people yeah. listen back and they say and they want to know why were people so frustrated in the 2020 presidential election, I think they're going to point to Eric and Jay and say that's why they nailed it. Now, I hope so. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page. 
patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.